Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. I'm going to be talking about habits of epically successful people and the things I had to change on my journey to move from sabotage to 
a more successful place. The things, the checkup from the neck up that I really had to change in order to evolve to the person that I, I aspire to be and that I'm, I'm proud to be. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we got to ping some people into the room. Come on. There's um, a little box in the lower left-hand corner with an arrow coming in. And that helps let people know that we're in the room. And that number should be well over 100. So if you could hit that box, let people know we're talking about <clears throat> habits of epically successful people. And we've got Grant Cardone here who can jump in at any time. And I'm going to keep this conversation going. I want to pass around the mic. I want to hear what people have to say. Um, and we'll take it from there. So good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey. Wonderful, Barbara. How are you? Morning. Good. Did I hear Tom in no. there? Was that uh, Tom? Justin. Hi, Justin. Well, good morning to you. Justin, all I do is look at New York real estate right now. It's literally like other people scroll <laughs> TikTok. I literally, I just scroll and Grant would appreciate it. I just sit and look at real estate in the markets that I'm most confident in. So I'm just constantly looking, looking. I'm, on, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, so Justin, I thought you would uh, appreciate. I do, I do. It's on sale. <laughs> so yeah, go for it. That's awesome. And you know something? What's cool about that is that I'm getting my boyfriend excited about it. Like he was never, never really understood it. But I share what I learn at the Cardone's real estate summits, and. I'm, you know, I'm paying it forward and I'm showing him because I've done several real estate transactions prior to learning more about real estate with Grant. And uh, now I'm just, I'm like, all right, I, I'm turning 50 next year, April 22nd. So guys, mark it on your calendar, um, which I'm, I have no shame in my age game. Age is a gift and growing old is a gift not lost to this girl. And I'm going to spend this next next decade blowing up my real estate portfolio. That's all. I'm just like, I'm going to blow it up. This is going to be the best damn decade of my life. I cannot wait to turn 50. I'm like totally excited because I'm going to make 50 look so damn good. Um, so yeah, this is going to be big. You guys will see me at those, the, the Cardone real estate summit. So I hope you will join me. Those are, um, those are amazing, amazing, amazing. So Right, Grant. I feel like you're at the gym this morning, Grant. Am I wrong? Is no, 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 no. I'm in. I'm still in Tennessee. I'm, I had the last night of this, of this pageant, and then tomorrow we fly back to Malibu. But have you found any? Have you found anything you can make sense of? Yeah. No, uh, Barbara. Yeah. Nope. But I keep looking. I keep looking, and it's. I had this with my the shore house that I bought down here last summer, and I bought it off the internet like a. Like I, I thought I had lost my mind, but turns out it was the one of my best real estate moves. Um, I do feel like the more I look, the luckier I get. So I'm just waiting. And I talk to real estate agents probably every three days of like, is anybody, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for a hot deal. <laughs> and I secured financing last year before the, the market, um, the market flipped. So I've got some things to play with. So, but no, I, Grant, I haven't. I think we're, I mean, would you agree? We still have to wait a little bit. Yeah, I think that's very accurate. At least, at least till the last quarter of this year. Yeah. Because the, the sellers aren't, the sellers haven't made their adjustments yet. So they will though. Um, and, I am uh, seeing, I'm seeing uh, prices drop very aggressively down at the shore. Um, and this is, like a high-end shore market. So it's very interesting to watch, but I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just, I'm just st keeping my finger on the pulse of everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to keep looking. And what I do is I keep a log of everything that I, that I look at and can't buy most of 
I, we haven't bought anything since February this year. This, uh, you know, earlier in the year we closed the deal, but I, I let four deals go. And I just keep tracking these deals. Most of them are not selling, by the way. They're not. They're, they're pulling them off the market because they couldn't get their price. So towards the, the last quarter of this year, uh, believable opportunities for people if they know what they're looking for, exactly what, what can make them real money. And there's going to be great opportunities here. You, you started at 50. You know, I really started my real estate career at 50. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I, yeah. That's when I really st- like leaned into the deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, all my growth has been in the last 10 or 12 years, but the rest of it was just practice and warm-ups. Damn, that's good to hear. That's yeah, so that's, good that's, to hear. That's a fact. That is a 100% fact. Like, if you saw my my financials, you'd see it, you know, around 50 years old. Really, 45 to 50, I got serious, and then it all started clicking. Well, I'm but tracking. I'm, a, I'm, an, immature, I'm an immature soul, so as, as many of you in the room know. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a late bloomer. So is Barbara. So is Barbara. So is C Rock. So is yes. A <laughs> I'm tracking in your footprints, and you're so right, C Rock. I always say I'm a late bloomer, and I take a while to learn things. I'm not a fast learner, but when I learn something, step back off. So I I I'm just that's who I am. I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I. I will learn something. I'll take extra long and people will get frustrated, but forget about it. So Grant, I'm tracking in your footsteps and I'm, I, I think it's great to hear that you hit the, really hit the pavement um, because I, in, in your late forties and fifties, because I don't think we tell these stories enough. I think we're supposed, everyone's conditioned to think if you don't hit it in your twenties, graduate college, get a good job. Like you're a, you're a husband you're, and it's not true. Like everything you're learning in those decades, your twenties, thirties, even in your forties sets you up for really making better decisions in your fifties, how you allocate time, who you spend time with, where you make investments. So listen, you, very few people hit it in their twenties, but follow the people <laughs> hit it on the fourth floor, the fifth floor, the sixth floor, which is, you know, all about age. So when I say that I'm on the fourth floor, going to the fifth floor, you guys are tracking with me. on that. Hey, Barbara, I, I remember uncle G put out a video. What have been probably a year ago, two years ago. Now um, mm-hmm. you're sitting at a desk talking about Florida real estate, right? And I remember watching it with my wife and my daughter, who was I think six and a half at the time. And I remember saying to my wife that he was mastering the market and he was just looking at the fundamentals. I don't know if he remembers the video, but he was talking about immigration and the reasons why it made sense. And I think that's what you're doing, right? You're learning to master the markets. When the opportunities come, you're not stuck at paralysis by analysis. Information powers. I think that's such a great do right Oh, did Justin just glitch out? I thought it was me. Is that not yeah. me? Am I good? No, you did fine. Okay. Oh, yes. And you know, Justin's right. I am. I am just sitting here studying. I've made transactions. I've done things, and now I've become. It built a little more confidence. The confidence did escalate. I will share when I went down to Grant's event for the real estate summit. Um, because I didn't know what I didn't know. I had done well in real estate. I'd done some transactions with my my ex-husband. Um, and I was really the, I was the person behind it. 
um, which I got, I have so many stories, but it doesn't matter. And by going to that summit and knowing I get motivated, I don't know about you guys, and I'd love to hear, I get motivated and inspired when I learn something and then I can apply it when something lands with me. It's why you hear me relay quotes over and over again in here, because that's how I um, in, improve. That's how I stay in you know, self-development. And for anybody who's never heard this, the happiest people are always growing and always learning. And what you just heard from Grant is he was, he learned from his daughter that, you know, kindness matters and how you make other people feel really do matter. And it's, it's part of leaving a legacy. So that's, that's where I, you know, really kind of stepped into a little bit more in this real estate space by going down there. I was like, I didn't know that. And I also sat next to Peter Siegel and Brian Bensock and Todd uh, skeleton and drove them nuts. Cause I was like, I don't understand. I, they had to repeat cap rates to me at least 72 times, but doesn't matter. I have no shame in my slow learning game. Is anybody else a slow learner? Or am I alone, alone on that? You know, Barbara, no, Barbara, I, Barbara, I think the thing is, is like, when you said that, I said, Hey, am I a slow learner? I think the issue for me is I'm actually a very fast learner, but the thing that doesn't come quickly, I don't think for anyone, is the confidence that you know the right thing. And then I think when you were explaining how you operate, what I, what I heard you saying was, once you know you have it, then you're going to move on it. And, and for me, I, like I knew real estate, when I was 28 years old, I bought a house and, and I was making 200 bucks a month in that house. And I was like, man, I'm going to get rich doing this. I mean, I literally thought, <laughs> oh, 200 bucks a month. I'm like, I'm going to get rich. I have found the holy grail of my lifetime. This is what I'm going to do. It wasn't my main career, but I was going to work my main jobs, get money, and I was going to go buy these houses. Well, then Janet, the, the tenant, moved out, and my whole plan crashed. But I knew I was in the right, I was on the right, uh, in the right space, right? And so I spent two or three years studying, bought my third deal, uh, about one deal in between. I repeated my first mistake. And then the third deal, I was like, okay, I figured it out. Even then, I made $5 million on the third deal. Even then, I did not fully trust that I had a formula. Like I had, I, you know, it took me probably 20 years to be confident with, with, with what I had learned and knew. Um, but the thing that, the thing that, the only way to get confidence, I tell my kids all the time, the only, most important skill you'll ever have in your life is something nobody even really you can't measure. It's not on a net worth statement. It's confidence, the ability to know I'm going to move into this thing and it's going to work out. And it is such, it's like some spiritual conquest that you can, you know, the outcome is going to be good. And uh, that just does not come with information. It comes with experience. It comes, it comes with experience. You have mm -hmm. to do something. You don't have to lose, by the way. I don't believe in this idea that I learn more from, you know, failing. I, I, I don't. I learn more from winning, man. When I win, like, I want to win. I, if I never have to fail, I'm fine with that, okay? I don't – humility to me is uh, mud on my face, being wrong. Uh, like, that, that the, 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 you guys want more of that? Take my share. I don't want it. I want to win because I get confidence from the winning because I know I can repeat it. And I think you're one of those people that when you find something, you bang it. Yeah. And it, it, you know, you're exactly right. It's fun. It's doing things more and more and building that confidence through rep repetition and that sense of mastery. Like 
I've got this and I know how to see what's coming down the pike. Like, I think that's part of it. I'm uh, like, even that renter that moved out, Janet, who moved out, it gave you access to knowing that you have to be prepared because that's an inevitable part of building a real estate portfolio and having passive income and having renters. It's, it's an inevitable part of the process. It's not a negative. It's just part of the, of the game, but you learn that along the way. And I'm very much in align with the fact that I don't, I don't call things failures. I think there's lessons. You can do things better and you can learn. There's either a, you either win or you learn. That's it. And both of those are in the, you know, movement and moving the feet forward category. I mean, even, even my marriage, I will never call my marriage a failure. I learned a ton and I have three amazing kids. So, you know, I hear people saying, I'm like, why would I ever call something a failure? I, I learned, I grew and same thing in real estate. And I, uh, listen, I'm just, moving more honestly grant into that space of um confidence in my and knowing and that's where that's where you're finding me who just unmiked go ahead somebody just clapping for my <laughs> feel free oh, hey bob i'll jump in it i mean it's david here and you know i think what we're talking about is action right i think one of the one of the challenges at least for me when i was younger nobody ever taught me to invest in real estate i've November is going to be 20 years for me in real estate. And, you know, I sold a lot of houses, but I never bought a lot of them because nobody taught me that years ago. And I didn't have the confidence. And, and I, there's, a, there's a story. I, I had a property tied up in 2012. I was going to buy it. And then last minute I backed out and sold it to somebody I know. Now, now that same exact transaction today, that property is worth almost 800000 he made six six hundred thousand on the exact same transaction that I made fourteen thousand on, and I was happy to make fourteen thousand back then, skipping to the bank to earn that commission. But I didn't know any better, so I think sometimes we just have to be willing to take the action to have the experience, and then if you take it enough, and then you start to get some confidence from the experience. So, so on to add that. I wish somebody would have taught me this years ago. I mean, honestly, nobody you know, taught it's me a to good, buy real you know, estate. It's a good. Um conversation piece because you know it's finding also and when i talk about habits of epically successful people is they learn how to take advice from people that have what they want and um the best quote i heard recently was people that have your best interest don't always know what's best and sometimes we seek counsel from people that we seek comfort and i learned this it's been a slow burn for me to learn this but last year when i went in to do this a real estate transaction down at the shore, sight unseen, and it was a big transaction. I'm like three houses off the beach, bought a house off the internet. I decided in that space, I'm like, I'm not calling anybody, but the people that I trust in this, this space. And I picked up the phone, I called two people and they were like, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And I was like, fine, I'll pull the trigger. And I just did it. And later on, I said to my, I was talking to my dad who I seek counsel, comfort, love all the things. My dad and I are thick as thieves. And he said, Barb, you never ran this by me. You just showed up and you had a beach house. He goes, you didn't say anything. I said, dad, I'm, I was scared. You would tell me I was crazy and I wouldn't do it. And fast forward this year, he goes, Barbara, I'm so glad you didn't call me because this was such a good, this was the best real estate transaction you've done so far. And, um, which says a lot. And, and he goes, I would have told you you were crazy. And he goes, I'm never going to talk you out of anything ever again, but my dad's not in real estate. So, you know, um, 
Hold on. I just have to sh shuffle the audience for anybody that's going down or bringing right back up. But that's what I, um, that's, that was such an important lesson. My dad even owned it. He's like, I've got no business counseling. You know what you're doing. You've done this over and over again. So David, that is something if anybody's listening that I would love for you to write down and understand that people that, um, that I don't know, that, that want the best for you don't always know what is best. Seek counsel and advice from those who have what you want. And I, I think that was a huge lesson for me and took me a very long time to um, really conceptualize. But it is very true. Um, here's the other thing that I, as I was putting together this morning, um, <clears throat> I, this took me a lifetime to get to under, to, to, this is a work in progress and a masterpiece at the same time. And it's not, it's really, I don't like, I know we're not supposed to curse here in breakfast with champions, but it's really not giving a fork what other people are saying about you because people are going to judge you. You might as well give them something to judge you about. And this past weekend, okay, this is crazy. This, okay. You guys know me. You're, I'm that girl that used to jump fences, right? I would jump fences to swim in pools because I loved swimming growing up and we had no pool. So I take my little huffy bicycle and I would drive over to the apartment complex uh, that had a pool. I would jump the fence when the guard wasn't looking. I would hide my towel somewhere under a, you know, a, 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 a thing. The worst part was the waiting for people to show up at the pool because you can't just be the only person in the pool and the lifeguard didn't let you in. You had to let it fill up with people, but the pool opened at 10 and I wanted to swim all day. So I had to wait for people to slowly filter in so that I would look less uh, obvious. And when I would jump the fence, I would jump into the pool and then I would swim like a little fish underwater so that if the lifeguard did suspect that I was a, you know, a fence jumper, she couldn't get me because I was always under the water. Fast forward. Um, I, I swam in high school. I wasn't a great swimmer. I never, I never really learned how to professionally do a stroke or properly, but I love to swim. Okay. Fast forward last week, my good friend was doing a one mile open water. Hey listeners. If you enjoy listening to breakfast with champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Swim in the ocean ocean out and back a lifeguard swam and she was doing it on behalf of her father who died of colon cancer on that Saturday and she was raising money for colon cancer and her dad and I'm sorry not for colon cancer for the Ronald McDonald house and she couldn't swim because she was in the hospital with some some um, major issues um, in in and whatever and I called her. I talked to her. I said, how are you doing? She goes, I'm so upset about not being able to swim on behalf of my father on his three-year anniversary. And I said, I'll do the swim for you. She goes, Barb, it's an open water ocean swim. It's a, like a lifeguard swim. I said, well, every, there'll be guards around. I'm like, I, let me do it. She goes, all right. Called the race director. This is two days before the event. And Steph goes, Barb's doing the swim for me. She was like, well, does Barb know how to swim? She says, Barb knows how to swim. Okay. Barb, your favorite barber in the red dress shows up in her little red bathing suit 
And this is not a swimsuit, okay? This is a bathing suit. It's like a cute little schmata because that's what I have. I don't have Speedos. I don't have like fancy swimsuits because I don't swim. I like, I bounce around in the bay and the ocean. I show up, everybody's in Speedos. All the girls have their, on their marker, they have markers, uh, Sharpies on the back that say, eat my bubbles. Somebody had written on each other's back, eat my bubbles. And there's little fish. And I'm sitting there going, I will definitely be eating your bubbles. Uh, so I already look like a fish out of water, pun intended. My kids are all there. They're like, are you sure you can do this, mom? I'm like, I am not afraid. If I don't like it, I'll turn around and come back or I'll flag down one of the guards on the boards. And there's also like jet skis in the water. I'm like, I would rather... I would rather try than fail to try. I would rather just try and see what I can do. I'm like, listen, I'm doing this in the name of, um, you know, in her father's name who did not survive colon cancer. I am a colon cancer survivor. And I made a vow when I was in chemo that I would never play small again, right? I would never play small. I'd never let doubt, fear, anything stop me or the weight of other people's opinions. And let me tell you, I looked like a schmo in my bathing suit. Okay. I looked like a schmo. I looked like, you know, you know, mommy pants showing up in her little, you know, your Tory Burch bathing suit. I looked like a schmuck, but I showed up anyway. I put my cap on, put my goggles on, waved goodbye to my kids. The gun goes off. Okay. The gun goes off. I get it. I run into the water with all the other lifeguards and professional swimmers and Babs in the red bathing suit and my timing chip falls off. So now I'm trying to get, get my timing chip back on my ankle. I cannot do it. And I'm now dead last. I didn't even, the race hasn't even want started and I'm just last. I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do. I can't figure out how to get this thing back on my ankle. I stuff it down my bathing suit. So not only is my bathing suit on one of those skin tight bathing suits so that I can be more streamlined in the water. I am now, I now have officially created more drag in this experience. I'm like, fine. So I stuff it down my bathing suit. I'm like, let's go. This isn't how you're going to do this race. You are not going to give up before you, the race is even won. So I get out there and I'm swimming and I'm swimming. And my deep thoughts are I'm singing that song by Nemo, like just keep swimming. And, um, it's hard. <laughs> the waves are like, like, you're not just swimming in a flat bay or a lake or a pool. You're like swimming. The waves are slapping me in the face there. You know, everyone's uh, way ahead of me or whatever, but I did finally catch up to a couple of people. Anyway, um, about 15 minutes into the race, a woman turns around and heads back. And my three kids, so I have three kids. My best friend was there. Um, another set of parents came down. Like, I don't know if everybody was just going to be there to identify my body or not. <laughs> but so I, um, so I'm out there swimming. This woman comes out of the water and everyone, including the race director announces, all right, you know, she gave it a good run. She's coming out of the water and my kids were so, they were like, oh, okay, no, no worries. They, they, you know, they're all, you know, talking. I heard the story later and the woman comes out of the water and it's not me. And my kids went nuts. According to my best friend, my kids were like, oh my God, mom's still out there. Mom's still out there. And so I'm just out there swimming. And then I hit the flag and I turn around and I come back and I, I get a little disoriented because I'm like, well, where, you know, you can't really see the shoreline and it's like crazy. Anyway, I just keep swimming. I'm Dory. I'm like, just keep swimming. I see all the guards. I lift my head up. I'm like, am I last? They said, no. I said, am I going in the right direction? They said, keep going. You got this. My feet hit the sand. I had finished the race. And I just had this moment where I just put my hand against my chest. And I was like, 
you are a woman of your word. Like I just said that to myself because I swore if I survived cancer, I would leave it all out on the field, that I would put myself in uncomfortable situations and just try to be the best expression of myself. I would never play small again. And in that moment, I knew I had played big because I was completely punching above my weight. I looked like I, was, I had no business being belong there, but I had no business there. And I did it anyway. I felt the fear. I felt the intimidation. I felt the crazy. I felt the uncomfortable. And I did it anyway. And I hit the sand and I realized that the tide had pulled me far from the finish line. So of course, after this one mile open water swim, I've got to run to the damn finish line. Thank you. Okay, great. And I'm running to the finish line and all I can hear is my three kids screaming. My kids are going crazy. They're standing there with the guards and everybody else. And they've got this, you know, like pyramid kind of, of arms holding up like that I'm supposed to run through. My kids are going bonkers and it just fills my heart. And afterwards, and they were like, mom, mom, we, we didn't think you would finish. We didn't think you would finish and you did it anyway. And to hear them boast about how proud they were of me filled my heart more than anything has filled in a very long time. My oldest son, who stands like over six feet, I have no idea how I gave birth to such a giant human, could not stop gushing about how proud he was of his mother. And if anything, that's where, that's where it all, like, I think that's where we all can take away something unto ourselves of doing things and being outside our comfort zone is where the magic happens. I was not comfortable. I was completely in over my head. I was punching way above my weight, but I wouldn't know if I could or couldn't do it unless I went and did it anyway. I felt the fear and I did it anyway. And I know, and I hope, I swear, I hope my kids are able to kind of siphon off some of that as we say in Yiddish, a little bit of the chutzpah so that they can go out and do it anyway. It was really a great experience and I would post pictures, but I look like a schmo and I can't, I just can't, I can't. They took pictures of me and I, I mean, come on. Anyway, does anybody else want to, does anybody want to jump in? Yeah, Barbara, that's, I love that story. This is why I love you so much. I literally took a, a boxing match on 10 days notice. Same exact thing, same exact reason to get through everything. And when you were saying that, I was like, man, people won't always want to see the video. I'm like, nah, I wasn't as pretty as I looked in my head, but, um, but definitely <laughs> completed it. Uh, and man, seriously, just hearing you and your stories and your voice always inspires me now. Um, because literally, I think that's how we all learn is, is by stories and encourage that, oh man, Barbara did that. I think I may do that now, you know? And so I think a lot of times for us in life, it's good that if, if we actually be the first ones who have the courage, because other people will look to us and it'll actually inspire others. So I just want to appreciate, appreciate you for always inspiring others. Well, I appreciate that, Jeff. And the, and the real takeaway, I think, is understanding that this isn't who I was before the wheels fell off. In 2015, when my marriage imploded and then I was diagnosed with cancer, this is all within months of each other. I thought I was going to have a breakdown, but it really led me to the best breakthrough of my life. I really am a different person now and can share with you that it's not to wait till you're confronted with your own mortality to take those risks and try something new and get uncomfortable. Because when I really was not doing well in my treatments, 
I realized that I was the one talking myself out of every opportunity, that I was the one playing small because I chose to play small. I was the one who cared more about what other people thought than anything else. And I was so concerned with the weight of other people's opinions that I literally conformed to how I dressed, did my hair, drove a car. Like everything I did was in an accordance with some, I don't know, so some societal friggin' I don't know, construct that was a man, man-made and it was limiting me from really expressing myself at a higher level. And when I made that pact, I will never play small. I will never let the voices of fear or self-doubt or the weight of other people's opinions stop me from doing things that fill my cup. It changed the trajectory of my life. And that is what this weekend was, is me saying to myself, I am completely in over my head. I am completely uncomfortable. I look like a fool and I don't give a fork anymore. I survived cancer so that I could taste all the fruits of life and really enjoying the smorgasbord of life is getting uncomfortable, getting out of your comfort zone. And that's what I validated. And every time you do something like that, and this is for this is for everyone. This isn't about me. This is about reminding you that when you do something that makes you a little uncomfortable and you are able to swipe left on those negative, that negative self-talk and get a little uncomfortable, you prove to yourself that you are a person of your word, you are a person of action, and you are a person of massive potential. That you have to go into those spaces of like, oh my God, it would be easier. And let me tell you something. I had to show up late for a very cool beach party so I could do this event because it was at night. Uh, doing what's right and doing what's easy very rarely are on the same track. It would have been easier for me to go to the party and throw down 72 hamburgers. But instead, I showed up at this event. I looked like a schmo. So I confronted that fear of what other people were thinking. And I did not care. And the takeaway was so empowering. And that's why I share these stories on Clubhouse is not to uh, impress anyone. I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm here to impress upon everyone that you have more in your tank and you do not need to wait until you're confronted with, with your you. own mortality. Okay. Who's that? Who wants to jump I'd in? Like to jump I in. wanted to ask you a question Barbara, about yeah. something you said to Grant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like I heard you mention before your story, like about, you know, someone made off with your money and that was made off. You say, Bernie made off. I know. Uh, <laughs> I was trying not to say Bernie that. Bernie made off with my money. Yes. Right. So like when you said to Grant about like, you know, you see that as a learning, like how, what did you have to say with your money? Cause that was huge in knowing like what you had that money for, like, where did you have that confidence to get back into like real estate investing? Like what decision? Cause I know that was pre the cancer, right? Like when you had yes. to make that decision to get out there, how, what did you tell yourself? You know, when I lost and listen, I continue to sometimes put my money in people that really disappoint me. And I learn and I just, I, but staying bitter, angry, or resentful is drinking the poison and expecting the other person to, to die. You are not meant to experience this lifetime in some sort of perfect experience. You are going to make mistakes. And sometimes people are going to take advantage of you. People are going to disappoint you. And you're not going to, you're going to make the best decision based on that state of consciousness and the information that you have. You are going to make your very best educated decision. You don't make decisions because you're like, I'm going to make a bad decision today about spending my money and investing here or there. You're going to make these investments based on your, your 
you know, your highest state of consciousness, you're knowing this, you're, and you're going to do your best due diligence, but, um, hold on. Hey, Migs, don't leave yet, sweetheart. I got to talk to you. Sorry. Um, Miss America's here. That's my daughter. Um, and so, um, health, I, 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 I can only see your name health right now. Shante. Yes, I knew that. I knew that. I just didn't want to mess up. Shantae, I have to, I just think it's really important that I think that's the big problem that we have in our society is that we project all this glamour and this, this, like this perfectness out on social media when there's so much grit behind that. There's so many like missteps and frustrations and disappointments, and it's part of the journey. So listen, if you're playing and it doesn't, the, you know, you swing and you miss, it means that you're still up to bat. You're still up to bat. You're still in the game. And it, just to use my swimming analogy is my thought was if I still have to get pulled out of the water and come back on a jet ski, I still got in the arena. I still got put myself out there and I would never know if I don't go. I still did better if I got out in that water than everybody that sat on the damn sand and didn't get in, didn't put on their swim, their swimmies. Okay. And that's Shantae, what I think you need to always take stock of an inventory of like you are in the arena. And sometimes we don't always, sometimes we get knocked out, but we get back up. So yeah, yeah, the Madoff, when he made off with my money, I was like, that was not nice. I was not happy, um, but I make better decisions. And listen, I'm, I say to myself, I can always make more money. I, because I listen, I'm a door-to-door -door sales girl who built myself from the ground up. So there's this part of me, I inherited nothing I inherited nothing but really bad hair, okay? And that's what I inherited in my life. I inherited really bad hair and funny colored eyes, but I did not inherit a dime because I'm self-made and I'm self-taught, right? I can always go back. I can always make more money. And screw Madoff. He like, I mean, he made off with my money and I was like, all right, let's go make more money. Goodbye. And it was a tough week, but I got over it. Does that answer your question? Does that help? Hell yeah. Hey, Bob, I had a lot of coffee this morning. Yeah. Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Barbara, it's Maria Hi, Lynn. I, I just want to say that every time I listen to you, you really give me some fire um, in my soul. You know, hanging out with you um, in Miami at 10X Ladies um, by the pool, listening to you, I really just absorb. And what you just did for me, like that internal voice, you didn't, you didn't tell your dad because you just wanted to make that decision and you wanted to go for it. You didn't care that you looked different going into that ocean, you know, you're wearing, you're wearing what you were wearing and you were, you were more committed to the race, the commitment you made to your friends. I feel like <laughs> I'm like almost getting emotional here. I'm sorry. So I was in a, I, I was a very confident young woman. I was in, you know, 13 clubs in high school. I was even the homecoming queen. And then I married someone who tells me, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm disgusting, I'm a moron, blah, blah, blah. For seven years, I started, you know, eventually believed that, whatever. So you say greatness comes in your 50s. I'm with you on that. Like, I feel like so parallel to you, like right now, so connected to you, that I've been really fighting that internal voice and that doubt and that fear that you're just, I'm thinking of Lisa Copeland, do it, do it scared. I don't, I don't know if you remember that morning. You guys yeah. were all, mm -hmm. you were running that morning and I got there late and I actually did did it scared? I went, I didn't know where I was going, if I was going to run into you all again uh, at all. But you're, you're my, I'm shaking from within right now because I want to hug you and thank you for this whole conversation, the story, the, 
the, the real estate deal, you know, all of that. And I want to just, I want to, I love you. I think you're a great example to your children and so inspiring to me. I just, I love you. I love you too, Marie, and I'm grateful our paths crossed. And by the way, I've never told Grant or Elena this. When I was at the pool, one of the servers thought I was Mrs. Cardone. I was treated like a queen until I was like, I'm not a Cardone. <laughs> I'm just a Majeski. Uh, who else wanted to jump in there? Hey, Barbara. Hey, Bob. What's up? It's Nicole. How are you, Barbara? <laughs> I've so got Nicole, and then I hear a man's voice. So who was the man after Nicole? Tony C is always the man. Tony C. All right, Nicole, well, well, take it Tony away. Add Dora Maria to that right. cue. Hey, Barbara, how are you? I'm Nicole. Um, ain't going to go through the whole spiel of what they call me, but um, normally I don't do big stages. It feels like a, a little fish in a big ocean. But um, when you invited me up, it, it was I had to because um, I sit on the opposite side of cancer. And what I mean about that is my dad, I take care of my dad now, who is unbalancing it for the third time. Mm. And um, I must say, hearing your voice, hearing your story, um, it's just confirmation to know that um, greater is he that's in me, is greater than he that's in the world. Because sometimes when you're not directly going through it with the, um, when you're not go, when you're not actually having the experience, but you're experiencing it with the person, um, that's, that's the hardest thing to do. And I just wanted to know in a question, you know, how did your kids handle it? How did your... Don't get emotional, girl. How did your um your significant others handle it? Because to just watch, watch my dad go through something like that, and I realize who I am. I know I'm great. I know um, you know, all those things, but um the human experience just watching that. So I just wanted to know how your kids was able to persevere. You know, in things of that nature, if you can share that and I'll land because this part is emotional for me when it comes to my dad and and and, and pursuing my honor and laying my dreams down so I can honor my parents. Wow, Nicole, I'm sending out prayers to your dad right now, hearing that it's this third bout with cancer. Man, you must you must be so proud of him because it takes a tremendous amount of strength to get back in that fight, man. That is a fight. Some people want to take the word battle out of it. I, I battled for my life when I went through chemo. It wasn't cancer. It was chemo. That was was a true battle. Um, And as far as my kids went, my kids were very young. I had a sixth grader, a fourth grader, and then a um, my daughter was in pre-K. She wasn't even really in school. And she didn't really understand what was going on. But my boys very much did. And two out of my three kids still believed in the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus and all the magic. And I, I know that they, listen, they struggled, but they struggled under my roof. And what I took from that was let this happen while I can guide them through a tough hand. And let me show, let me show them how to handle something difficult. They all, all three of my kids, not, I'm sorry, I'm, that's not right. My two, my two boys had huge meltdowns that broke my heart into a million places and is really embedded in my soul because I felt so bad that it was my cancer that was causing them such pain. But the takeaway from it, Nicole, was 
I told my kids, especially my older son, I said to him, I go, nobody's stronger than this mom. I go, I'm the strongest mom here in Princeton, New Jersey. And if anybody's going to put up a fight, it's going to be me. And you know, I'm tough as nails. And I'll just share what happened in the, in the moment was we, my therapy for chemo was walking. So we walked into Princeton in the dead of winter. My chemo was from January to June. The dead of winter, we walked as a family, my husband at the time and three children walked into town and on the way back, you know, Gabe is just, that's my oldest. He's having, he's like, I'm not going to school tomorrow. And we had had this, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, he doesn't want to go to school. And this kid is as cool as punch. Like he's like the kid that you want to be like, he's just a really nice kid. If they gave Mr. Congeniality, they'd give it to him. And he just didn't want to go to school anymore. And I, and he's having kind of this like curmudgeon like moment. And finally I tell my husband and my other kids, I said, walk ahead. I got to, I got to talk to Gabe. And I just stopped him. I go, what is this? What are you doing? What are you talking about? You don't want to go to school. He said, mom, I just want to stay at home and look at you. I want to make sure you're okay. I want to take care of you. And he just broke down and we're in the middle of, of Princeton in front of the YMCA. And I, my heart, my heart sunk to the bottom of my shoes. I was like, oh my God, this one's about me. And I just grabbed him by the shoulders and I said, Gabe, there's no one like your mother. I said, no one. I go, I ran 26.2 miles for no other reason other than it was a marathon and I thought I would just do it. I told him of all the things that I had done and that I was like, really like, I was like, just really proud of that made me a little tougher. I said, I ran, a, I did this and I did that. I said, do you know any other mother that really does that and battled cancer? And he said, no. I said, if anyone's going to survive, anyone's going to make it, it's going to be me because I'm the, str I said this, I said, I'm the strongest mom here in Princeton, New Jersey, and I am going to put up the biggest fight. And you know, I'm a, I'm a pain in the ass and you know, I'm going to win because I'm a winner. Fast forward, Nicole, um, a year later, we transfer Gabe from to a private school. We have to do an intake interview. And they read on that that I had battled cancer the year before and it was a difficult time. And the, and the interviewer said, Gabe, how did you how did you deal with this? Like we, we imagine this must have been tough as a sixth grader watching your mother um, go through cancer treatments. And he goes, really? I said, he goes, Ah, my mother's the strongest mom in Princeton, New Jersey. So I always knew she, she would survive. And the funny part was, is I'm sitting in the back, like I'm just sitting in the, on the couch in the back, listening to this. And the guy like looks over to me. He's like, and I just shrugged my shoulders because I didn't realize that my words really did embed in his soul. And that's what carried him through. And Nicole, you have to understand that your father is made of something of superhuman powers, because anybody who goes through several rounds of chemo and chooses treatment and, and like going for it, chooses to fight with every cell of their body because he could easily give up. And instead he's saying, I am going, I am in battle because I want to live for my kids. You live for your people. You don't live for your cars. You don't live for your houses. You live for the people that love you and you love. So your dad is a true warrior. He is giving everything he has to fight this fight. And you should be so proud of him and so honored that you are a descendant of such fortitude and strength. So I hope, does that help Nicole? A whole lot. Thank you. We all need pouring, and I appreciate you for that this morning. God bless you. God bless you, Nicole. Mm -hmm. And we're all mm -hmm. saying prayers, guys. Let's unmic mm -hmm. and say we're, mm -hmm. you know, and and 
amen to you and your dad. And bless you. Amen. God bless your dad, Nicole. Psalms 91. Psalms 91. Same prayers, Nicole. Amen. Many blessings. And I will say, I, you know, you're, you're, you're very blessed. You're very, very, very blessed. You come from great strength. Hey, Tony, I want to give you the mic and then Dora Maria. Hey, hey, Nicole. Um, I look forward to speaking to you in the next, speaking to you, whether it's back channel, whatever the case may be in the next few weeks and hearing, uh, the story of your father beating this, uh, the confidence that he have, the confidence that you should have, uh, and maintain is going to be well uh more effective than uh uh any medical procedure that he's going through right now so i encourage you and pray for prayerfully i'm um you know praying for you your family everyone around him he's gonna need you guys to show the confidence that he's going into this battle with so i definitely want to share that with you and i look forward to the, you and your father uh, breaking the tape at the finish line because he will get past this and he will be healed and i'm speaking confidence in you so uh, I just want to share that with you. Also, I want to share, you said you don't do big stages. Well, do big stages, even when the stage isn't that big. I'm going to share a story about uh, when I worked at 102 Jams in Orlando, WJHM, we had Busta Rhymes uh, perform at a high school, on a high school field. And only, my dog flapping his ears, only like 30 people showed up. But Busta Rhymes performed with all the energy he had. I'll never forget this. He performed with all the energy he had as if he was performing before thousands. And I learned so much from that experience right there that, you know, where, wherever I go, I'm in a big, I'm on a big stage. Life is a big stage. So you got to play just as big as life is. So I encourage you, Nicole, to tap into those big stages, even when you're not on a big stage. And Bob, woman, I love the mess out of you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for not giving a fork all the times that you haven't given a fork. Because of that, you're able to hand everyone on the stage, all 327 people on here, you're able to serve on a very great spoon. For not giving a fork, you're able to serve on a nice serving spoon. So thank you so much for that. God bless each and every one of you. And um, I can't close my mic without saying this. Winning is the only option. I love it, Tony. I, I love it. We need to do like a radio show together or something. I got to have you on my podcast, something. I feel like we have more in our tank here. Absolutely. I, don't know. I Absolutely. think we got something. I don't know. I, I'm gonna, we're going to figure it out. We're gonna we have it. to. We, we have, have to. to. We have we to jump have on that to. big stage. And this is a good, this was like a fun hour. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, Adora Marie, I saw you pop in there and I see that I have a lot of back channel messages. I am, I'm a, give me a week guys. I'll get to all the messages. I get to them. It's just not on a very impressive speed. Okay. Dora Maria, go for it. Oh, thanks Barb. I, I especially love that you acknowledge, hey fear, hey opinion of others, hey negative self-talk, hold my beer and you get to it because that commitment to that outcome and what it means for someone else is so much bigger than all of those other things. And I think it was a great reminder to all of us, like when we play small, that these things exist in everyone. It's not 
just you. You're not in this battle by yourself. And this is, hey, maybe you don't drink beer, but hey, hold my wine, hold my juice, hold, hold my courage for a second. I'm going to go do something so that we can definitely show up especially for ourselves as well. So thanks again for that, Barb. Thanks. I love that. I love that. Hold my beer. Hold my beer as I go into the ocean and swim with the fishies. <clears throat> it's so true. And when you do these things, and that's why I share these stories, is the encouragement of getting outside your comfort zone, doing things that maybe, again, you either win or you learn. Those are That's it. That it's how it's how you frame those experiences and those takeaways. And you always come back, you always come out with a story. That's what I can share. Anything that I've like put myself out there, I've learned a lot. And I do, I always, right before I do something, I'm like, have I lost my mind? I mean, I I just I have these moments of like, what have I what am I I ask myself, are you crazy? And I'm like, I might be, but I'm sure having fun. And I I just love the idea that, you know, listen, I hope my card never, I, I hope I have a long life. I hope I make it to the sixth floor, seventh floor, eighth floor of, of this journey, this journey of life. But regardless, when it does happen, which is inevitable, I'm showing up, coming in on two wheels. I'm coming on two wheels. The, the tires are going to be bald. The doors are going to be hanging off. There's going to be empty, empty gas tank. I am coming in. Hopefully it's the eighth, ninth floor, but I'm coming in with everything. I've left it all out on the field. And that is a decision that we have full jurisdiction over in how we navigate our life. And sometimes we do. We need this checkup from the neck up because we are holding ourselves back and we care too much about what other people think. And here's what I've also learned. People aren't really thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves and what they do judge you on is a reflection of their own internal, their own internal dialogue. You also have no, you have no jurisdiction of the way people perceive you. They're going to perceive you the way that they want, no matter what, like no, no good deed goes unpunished. Like everyone, like, look, there's probably somebody judging me negatively right now. And I'm like, listen, I'm just sharing because I care and I'm not looking to impress anyone, but impress upon everyone that there's more in your tank. Hold on one second, Miss America, I need three minutes. I swear you don't, my, my daughter's giving me the hand wave and I'm like, oh no, we have, a, we have a conversation now. Um, and it's just so important that, you know, you take, you, you stop caring or listen, we're never going to stop caring about what other people think. That is just that people, listen, people, we care, we want approval, we want acceptance, we want to fit in. It's the human experience, but really modulating that into a safer space of, you know what, leading with good intention, check your intention at the door. Am I, what am I doing? What am I saying? How am I conducting myself? And although I didn't get to all of my top habits of epically successful people, people. I want to land with this in the space of caring what other people say. Is that or what they think? Highly successful people burn very few bridges. I want to just say that is that they burn very few bridges because they're always playing the long game and they take the high road more often than they play the emotional game. They burn very few bridges. They play the long game and they take the high road. And what people say about you is a reflection on them and not of you, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether it's behind your back, you have very little jurisdiction over that. But what you do have jurisdiction 
is, is how you handle things, your intentionality in the world and leading with good intention, leading with the highest, your highest state of consciousness at all times, pursuing the highest expression of yourself and taking the high road because the high road is the way that you are going to truly live at the highest expression of yourself and live out all your dreams. So guys, it's 8.59. I begin on time. I end on time. I hope you guys enjoyed this hour with me. I'm here every Saturday morning. And if you liked what I had to say, please follow me. If There's a link on the top. And I'd love to have you join my email list because I am launching a bunch of programs. Um, I'm working with Sharon Lecter on writing a book and I'll be doing some in-person seminars and retreats over the next 12 months. And I'd love, if I have your email, I can reach you and let you know um, what I have going on. So thank you guys. It's nine o'clock, my hour is over. I pass the mic. To Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.